Hey everybody, welcome back to a special tribute edition of the Boneyard. This tribute is going out to our, our brave men that we lost on September 11th, 2012 in Benghazi, Libya. Now I know some of you may be saying, what in the hell is a Benghazi and where in the hell is Libya? And what were we even doing there to begin with? Well, we're going to get into that on this edition of the Boneyard, so stay tuned. All right, first things first. Where exactly is Libya? Well, the country of Libya is on the northern end of the continent of Africa. It is on the shores of the Mediterranean. It's bordered by Tunisia, Egypt, Algeria, and like I said, it's on the uh, it's on the Med. Now, some of you history buffs may remember uh, Libya kind of hit our crosshairs back in the Reagan administration. Yeah, that's back in the early '80s, folks. I'm thinking '83, '82 ish. We uh, hit Muammar Gaddafi's compound in an attempt to, let's just say, eradicate that that pest in that region. So yeah, that's what kind of uh, put the country of Libya in our crosshairs way back then. God, it seems like a lifetime ago. All right, moving on. As you all remember, the events of September 11th, 2001, the day that uh, changed our world forever, at least in this country. But a lot of uh, a lot of you out there don't realize that. Uh, in my opinion, as tragic as that day was, what happened in 2012 on that date is even more tragic. And what I mean is, is we lost four wonderful Americans. We lost an ambassador, John Christopher Stevens. We lost U.S. Navy SEAL retired Glenn Doherty. U.S. Navy SEAL retired Tyrone Woods and Sean Smith. So I want you to take a few minutes to uh, to let those names sink in. Now, what was our mission in Libya? Well, Libya went through a civil war in 2011. It lasted oh, almost a year uh, with a little help from the CIA. There were plans in place to buy all or buy some of Gaddafi's arms that were stored in multiple warehouses throughout the country and complexes. Now, some of these weapons were similar to the Stinger missile system, which is a highly mobile shoulder fired rocket or missile. It is used to take out armor and aircraft. So, as you could see, that could definitely be a problem in that region where there was no government in place. Uh, the Libyans had finally had enough of Muammar Gaddafi and put an end to his rule, so to speak. So as part of our quote-unquote classified footprint in Benghazi, we had a temporary, a temporary, a temporary 
diplomatic outpost and a covert CIA base. Now, guarding that CIA base were contractors that worked for a company called GRS Incorporated. That stands for Global Resource Solutions Incorporated. Uh, Retired Senior Chief Navy SEAL Tyrone Woods was one of those individuals who worked for the company. Glenn Doherty was employed by one of our Alphabet Soup agencies and on loan to to Tripoli, as a matter of fact. And the sound you hear is me flipping pages, checking my notes as I'm I'm doing this uh, podcast. Uh, Interesting uh, factoid about... uh, Glenn Doherty, uh, he obviously worked for an intelligent asset that we had in Iraq throughout the war to recover POWs and MIAs. Uh, one of those POWs being uh, PFC Jessica Lynch, as a matter of fact. Uh, Matt Malpin, who disappeared in 2003 and was subsequently recovered later and uh, brought home and uh, reinterred. Uh, Glenn was also part of the rescue of Captain Phillips of the Maersk, Alabama, back in 09. Uh, one of the squadrons from uh, Dev Group had some, uh, some presence there. So let me set the stage about the uh, events on... Uh, early evening of September 11th through the early morning hours of uh, September 12th. Ambassador Chris Stevens was in Tripoli and on the 10th came to Benghazi to rally support, to sign contracts with the locals, that type of thing. GRS, which was responsible for security of the CIA annex, they were already there. Guys like, uh, I'll throw some names out here, the guys that were there. Uh, Chris Tanto Peranto, John Tig Tiggin, and Mark Ozgeist, as well as the other members of uh, the GRS team that were there, not to mention the uh, staffers from the uh, CIA themselves. At this time, I also want to mention that I forgot to mention the uh, diplomatic security agents who uh, traveled with Ambassador Stevens to Benghazi from Tripoli. So we had a quite an array of, uh, of different American personnel on the ground between these two complexes. So who exactly was the face of terrorism there during this battle, I'm going to say battle, in Benghazi. While there were approximately 150 Ansar al-Sharia that were associated with al-Qaeda on the ground during this attack. 
Alright, so the attacks happened in two different locations about a mile apart. Traveling with Ambassador Stevens were two diplomatic security agents. There was also three members of the February 17th Brigade who were deputized by the Libyan government but not under their direct control and four local contract guards. Now that was the the crux of the security at the special mission compound where Ambassador Stevens was staying. Now if you can imagine that small of an element being attacked by 150 armed individuals, well, needless to say, it, did, it didn't end well. So the attack began about 9.40 p.m. on the 11th. The special mission compound was overwhelmed in the process. Sean Smith was killed. Several DSS agents were wounded, and unfortunately, Ambassador Stevens went missing when they set fire to the complex. Uh, calls were made for help. Calls were made to Tripoli. Calls were made to the, uh, the CIA annex, where the uh, GRS mounted a quick reaction force. got to the compound as quickly as possible. However, they, they couldn't find Ambassador Stevens, so they were forced to move back to the CIA compound and fortify their positions because they knew an attack was imminent at that time. Now, the crazy part of it was, was our government was not notified by AFRICOM until after 3 o'clock in the morning. So the attack had been going on for a while. An ISR, an ISR predator, correction, an ISR predator was dispatched over the scene and provided intel, but no action was taken. No quick reaction force was mobilized to come to their rescue. The Pentagon situation, or correction, the White House situation room was advised of the situation. The Pentagon was advised of the situation. The Secretary of State was advised of the situation. But nobody came to their rescue. These guys fought like hell, repulsing wave after wave of attack until Glenn Darty's team came from Tripoli and finally got to him. Unfortunately, Glenn was killed during part of that battle. Now, what pisses me off the most is not the fact that we were there, because we do this stuff all over the globe. That's, that's no big secret. You know, that's that's what we do. We have a footprint in at least 140 different countries around the globe. What happens when the shit hits the fan and things go wrong? How did the locals know that Chris Stevens was an ambassador? 
or did they just take a chance and get lucky? Why didn't our government mobilize a quick reaction force or at least get air assets over the site as a shell force? We had military bases within hours of Benghazi, Libya. Why? The Secretary of State lied to the families of these brave Americans. She lied. The Obama administration lied. They covered it up. What do you say to that, folks? It shouldn't have happened. <clears throat> Whether or not we should have been there or shouldn't have been there, you know, that's that's a topic for another another discussion at another time. But the fact is that we lost a U.S. ambassador, the eighth U.S. ambassador, as a matter of fact, two special operators, and an IT specialist. All doing their jobs, all volunteered to go in the harm's way to serve. And what happens? They get left. Their country abandoned them when they needed their country the most. Let that sink in for a minute, folks. Michael Bay did a wonderful tribute to these guys called 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Mark Oz was part of the crew, part of the technical advisory crew, so was Chris Tanto. They did their homework. They got it right. They told a story that needed to be told. One interesting side note about the uh, the events that unfolded that night, uh, Ambassador Stevens was eventually rescued. He subsequently died later on at a Benghazi hospital of smoke inhalation, but he did survive the initial attack. I know that doesn't change things. You know, it doesn't change what happened on the ground. But we owe it to those guys. We owe it to the memories. We need to keep those those names alive so that their memories stay alive, so that their sacrifices weren't for nothing. How can you put a price on someone's sacrifice? I'll tell you. Tell the fucking truth. No more. No less. Glenn has a star at Langley. Ambassador Stevens received a medal. The other GRS operators are quiet professionals. They were all quiet professionals. 
Tanto went and wrote a book. But we owe it to these guys to keep their memories alive. As always, I thank you guys for, for tuning into my podcast and letting me share what I feel is important. But this is a, a story that deserves to be told and deserves to be remembered. I'm going to kind of steal that, that, uh, that quote from Oliver North there. This is a story that needs to be told. We need to tell this story so future generations will know that these guys were true fucking heroes. They didn't do it for money. They didn't do it for fame or recognition. They did it out of service. So from the Whiskey Niner One Studios, a slow, silent hand salute. Thank you, guys. This has been a Whiskey Niner One production. As always, I welcome your suggestions, your input, your criticisms. Please feel free to contact me at theboneyard2021 at yahoo.com. That's theboneyard2021 at yahoo.com. And remember, it's not the meat, the fat, the gristle, just the bare bones. <laughs>